Okay. So we'll see where we might finish up the first chunk of Baruch Shamar today. So. Okay. Last week we talked about Baruch Mishalem Sachar Tovli Reav Baruch Like this idea that the the reward that's good is the reward that is eternal. And Hashem, who is eternal, is the one who could give us rewards that are lasting. Um, so, this, uh, just to sum that up, the two pieces of Chai La'ad and Kayam Lanetza, Chai La'ad is source of life always in the finite world. La'ad, we said, was until the end of all time. But Kayam Lanetzach, existing forever, that's forever and ever. That's time that is beyond time, I think was the phrase that um, the Malbim used. Lanetzach. Netzach was time that's eternal. Like time beyond time. (laughs) Whereas La'ad meant till the end of time. End of this world. (coughs) As we know it. And the first part of that, Chayla, is something that's more relatable for us, even though that's still a really long time. It's a little hard to relate. And Kayim Lanatzach is something that we can't exactly relate to, but we can just know that it is. You know, sometimes even that which is finite is something beyond our capacity to really hold. So just a small example. What was that? I was, re- I was reading a book sometime in the last week, and they were pointing out that, like, the difference between like 8 billion and 8 billion 135,000 is non-meaningful to human mind. And it might be meaningful to like, if you're describing a population, so that's 135,000 actual people, but in terms of people's minds, there's no difference. We can't, we don't have a scale to distinguish <clears throat> between 8 billion and 8 billion point one. Um, and you know, if you ever like lie down on your back, like somewhere where you can see the stars, and you start thinking about how far away they are, there is no, there's no scope for that kind of scale inside of our minds. So sometimes you just have to know that like there is something and it's just much bigger than I can. I mean, as far as you can get is this, is this is a number bigger than what I can handle. You know, like those calculators, they say E, like <laughs> error, right? So let's all say it's an error, but just like, okay, this is, I've maxed out my scale for comparison and that's where it is. Have you ever seen these kids' books where they try and show you how much is a thousand or even a million? Right? So it starts with one, two, three, and then it goes to like tens and hundreds and thousands, and then you'll have like 10,000 butterflies or something on the page. Have you ever seen these books? No. They're really cool. But even then, you don't get so much of a sense of scale, but it helps with something. But you, they, even those books don't go past a million, you know? They can. You ever see those Power of Ten videos? Lipa Schmelzer did one if you want, like a clean one, you know? The Power of Ten video is like this old film. I mean, it's so old. It's like grainy 60s kind of film. Is it on YouTube now? <laughs> I'm sure it is. No, no, I'm sure it is. It's called The Power of Ten. And what it does is it starts with like showing, I think it's like a couple on a picnic blanket. And then each time it zooms out another times ten. Like it moves over a place. Mm. Now the thing is, that messes you up. And very quickly you're like out in outer space. Right. you know. And then the world is also shrinking away from you. The thing is, that's that's not times 10 that's like the power of 10 that's what it is so the scale itself is increasing with every jump which makes it very difficult to like make sense of it It, it's supposed to help you get a sense of scale 
of what like exponents means. So for exponents, I guess it's good. Like you can compare, like, so what's 10 to the fifth compared to 10 to the first? And then you, okay, this is like a couple on a blanket and this is like you're standing on Jupiter. But beyond that, even just to get from one set, one exponent to the next is like a, the bigger leaps. Yeah, we just, like our brains just don't do that very well. So sometimes it's worth just knowing that, like Chaila'ad and Chaila'netzach, even Chaila'ad is probably really outside of our <laughs> scope, but certainly Chaim Lanetzach is, you know, you just, at some point you just say, okay, like we don't truly connect to that. Well, we do truly connect to it, but mentally we can't hold that and that's okay. That's okay. But at least we can get an idea of where, where the error signal came up, you know, like that's where my, that's where it went. So Hashem is eternal and he can see it through till the end. It's, you know, he has all the time and he has all the ability. Okay, Baruch Podet Umatziel. Hashem redeems and saves. So what's the difference between redeeming and saving? Okay. Pedus is salvation or redemption. Podet um, Umatziel. So Podet, you can come across this, even in modern Hebrew, I suppose. Um, it means actually to redeem, not just in the sense of salvation, like a Pidion, Pidion Shivuyim is the mitzvah to redeem captives. Okay? In other words, you pay to get them released. So, pidyon then is when you save someone from their troubles with the agreement or complete sorry, thank you, or complicity of the captor, the one who's causing the troubles. So if you redeem someone who's been held captive by a pirate, then what you would do is you pay the money, and then they willingly give you the hostage, right? So that's pidyon. Whereas matzil, saving someone, is saving someone from an enemy through, as like a yad chazako zro and tuya, right? Like vehotzesi vehitzalti. Okay, there's no pidyon in Yitzhiyaz Mitzrayim. There's no, it's not like one of the four cups that's like ufedesi. Because this was not, we weren't taken out with the willing, you know, the Egyptians didn't say, fine, okay, you paid us, now we're all happy, win-win. I get my money, you get your captives, and we're happy. That wasn't what happened. It was with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. It was by force. Okay, that's matzil. So pode umatzil, pode is that Hashem saves us by redeeming us, literally, like the same way you redeem a glass bottle for 25 cents. And matzil, Hashem saves us, even when it's not with the cooperation or will of our captives. And what is this zechus? I think this is based on the Vilna Gon, but it's not the Vilna Gon. I saw it in the Haraz Hatvila. He says, in what merit is pode umatzil? Pode comes in the merit of prayer. Tvila. He quotes a pasuk, pode b'shalom nafshi, I have redeemed with peace my soul. And matzil is in the merit of Torah. Yeah, that kol hakovei makom Torah. So whoever establishes a solid place for his Torah learning, his enemies fall beneath him. What was Poda in the merit of what? Tefillah. Oh, okay. We often find Torah and Tefillah as a set, <clears throat> where one one there's sort of one will handle one department and the other will handle another Torah and Tefillah. Um. I think the best way of grasping that is the way Rabbi Goldberg said it, and maybe continues. I saw, I heard him say it at a sitter party for first graders. Right? You have two svarim: you have your chumash and your sitter. 
One is your words talking to Hashem, as one is Hashem's words talking to you. Mm-hmm. It sums up very much okay. this partnership between Torah and Tefillah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know exactly like how those two. I didn't. I didn't see anybody explain out. Matzil is what? I'm sorry. Matzil is being saved, and that's in the merit of Torah. Torah. And Poda is when Hashem saves us, redeems us from an enemy who's willing in exchange for some kind of, you know, reward or whatever. And that comes with tefillah. That's in the merit of tefillah. Yeah. Okay. So this is very much reminiscent. This Baruch Podeo Matzil is Hashem revealing himself to us as the one who saves us. And that is... See if I have a copy of the Aserasa de Rose in here. I'm sure, this is kind of a small sitter. Um, <coughs> we talked about how in every every facet of Baruch Sha'amar is a facet of the Shem Havaya, of Hashem's name. And we've also said that in the revelation, the revelation of Hashem's names, so to speak, is through his actions, right? We had a long, a long conversation about that. Looking to see if we have a Sarah Sazer Rose here. Oh dear. Okay. I have all kinds of other interesting prayers in my sitter, apparently. What's going on today? <laughs> so, yeah, somebody who's having a rough morning. Is that no. Here? No, no, no. Is it someone's crying? Yeah. Oh, Sorry, I don't know. I wasn't sure what I'm hearing. It doesn't, Hi, good morning. doesn't happen much, but sometimes there's one particular child who's struggling, you know. Oh. Sometimes first thing in the morning can be a tough time. Well, that also probably makes it worse. Okay. Okay. So this idea, Hashem has revealed himself to us. He says like, Anochi Hashem elokecha, asher mi I am Hashem, your God, who took you out of the land of Egypt from the house of slavery. In other words, you know me. How do you know me? This is who I am, but how do you know me? It's because I've already shown you what I've done. So this idea of the Baruch Pode Umatzil is Hashem revealing this aspect of himself to us. Okay, that's nice, except all of Baruch Sha'amar is Hashem revealing himself to us through these various interactions and control over the world. So what is it about this that's supposed, what is supposed to speak to us from Baruch Pode Umatzil? So one is, of course, on a personal level, recognizing that whatever troubles I am in, it is Hashem who's the one who's podeu matzil, who saves me from it. So that's piece number one, and something that's actually very relatable, maybe even more so than Hashem created the whole world. That kind of gets to that big scale where it's a little hard to grasp it again. So one is on a personal level, but really over here, as sort of the, it's, we're kind of coming in on the end of this whole introduction of Baruch Podeh. Baruch Podeh Matzah is like closing up this Baruch Sha'amar Vahaya Ha'ola, Baruch Osev Reishis, Omer Va'oseh, Gozer Mekayim, Merachim Al Ha'aretz, Merachim Al Abrios, Mishalim Sachatel Lireyav, Chayla Advakayim Lanatzach. So Baruch Podeh Matzah, we're like right near the end of this already. What it does is it tells us what has he created through Podeh Matzah? He's created us. He's created a nation. There was... There was no Jewish people without the Podeu Matzil. It's so sad. It's really sad. No, you know. No, no, it's one. It's one child who's not even in the next room. It's, it's really a double room over. What is? No, no, it's a child having a tantrum. 
No, I know, but yeah. um, independent study. But the child's not crying because she's an independent study. I'm saying she's she's an independent study because she's having a meltdown. So don't stay in the classroom and have the meltdown. That would traumatize everybody else too, you know. So she can have her meltdown over there. But it's not the first time. Um, no, it just doesn't happen very much. Just one particular child who's having a hard time lately. So it's really very sad. Yeah, she, we, we hope she'll feel better really soon. I don't even think it's that. No, I think she's actually ha- just having some anxiety. It's about, about well, being away from mommy. Yeah, that's, that's been a hard part, which I'm sure is worse, like she said, the day after a vacation. So then so you have to get used to it again. Even if not, no, no, this is a, it's a struggle every day, and yeah. it's not because of a problem that she's not having trouble in school. Once she settles down for the day, she has a good day, and she's fine. It's just, have, you know, people have to get through their issues that they have to get through. Okay. So this idea of Baruch Podel Matzil, Hashem redeems and saves, is Hashem as the Mehaveh. He makes things come into creation. He takes, Podel Matzil takes somebody whose situation is so desperate, right? Who's like dying, who's enslaved, whose life is not their own, and gives us new life. We really have a whole new life when that happens. So I saw here, this is um, Rabbi Monk's World of Prayer. He brings a distinction that the pidyon, pode, redemption, is saving us from moral danger. And matzil saves us from physical danger, which is a very interesting distinction, right? The fact that people could be in danger of their life, and it could be a spiritual danger. And someone could be in danger of their life, and it could be a physical danger. And podo matzil refer to these two different, different pieces. Yeah, okay. Baruch Shemo, blessed is his name. So here we do count this as the tenth name of God, the tenth uh, aspect of Hashem's name. Um, I saw in the Siddur Hashla, he says, we didn't count the Baruch Hu at the beginning. Baruch Sh'amr Vahaya Ha'olam Baruch Hu. That, we didn't count the Baruch Hu. And there's different reasons. One is that that was Baruch Hu came after every verse. So they used to sing it responsively, like when they had a special occasion, like a new, um, a new Nasi, a new Reish Galusa was appointed. So they would sing Baruch Sh'amr Vahaya Ha'olam Baruch Hu, Baruch Osev Reishis, Baruch Hu, Baruch Omer Osev Baruch Hu. But the Shla brings it like this. He says, really, the Baruch Hu and the Baruch Shmo go together, which is what we're accustomed to, right? You hear people say Baruch Hashem, and other people say Baruch Hu Baruch Shmo. Mm-hmm. That it somehow bracketed it in this way. He didn't explain why. Or if he did explain why, it went way over my head. <coughs> but he puts together the Baruch Hu Baruch Shmo over here. But the, con- the, the impact over here is Baruch Shmo, blessed is his name. That's what we've just been talking about. Right? When you get to the words in Baruch Shammar, Baruch Shmo, that like it clinches you and it reminds whoa, what did I just do? You know, I might have run through it. If you know a tune, that helps. And in Psuke de Zimra is the time for tunes, especially in all of Davening. But it's easy to kind of rattle through. Baruch Shmo is like a real stop. Hang on, what did I just say? I just said his name is Baruch. And how did I define his name as Sha'amar Vahaya Ha'olam and Ose Voracious and Omer Ve'ose and Gozer Makaim? Right? It's reminding me what did I just do? It sums it all together. The whole story is 
Baruch Shemo. Good morning. That is the whole story. And when I put it together, starting with Baruch Sh'amr Vahaya Ha'olam, Baruch Hu, and I realize that the Baruch Hu connects to the Baruch Shemo at the end, then I get that whole story encapsulated, which is Baruch Hu Uvaruch Shemo. He is blessed, his name is blessed, meaning through the name is the expression of how he has interacted with us in order that I will know him. And that's the whole story of Baruch Sha'amar, really. <coughs> it's the ultimate reference to the Shem HaMafarish. Just to say Baruch Shemo, because we can't say the bar, we don't say the Shem HaMafarish, right? At best, we'll say something like Adonai, in place of, meaning we see Shem HaMafarish, we don't say it. Okay, so saying Baruch Shemo is actually the closest reference. Blessed is his name. It's like when we say in, in English. It's like when we say colloquially Hashem, the name. We're referring to the name. We just aren't saying the name. Okay. So now, what I wanted to do. <clears throat> Hashem, we do. No, but like, oh, the equivalent is Baruch Shemo. Shemo, shame. Blessed is his name. That's what it means. That is what it means. Blessed is his name. So when we say Hashem, it means the name. Hmm. We use it so casually, we didn't realize. Baruch Hashem, he's part of our life. So it becomes a part of our daily life. So we, sometimes we have to go back to Baruch Shammar once a day and like break it down into ten pieces and realize that there's a depth and profundity there that we have been skipping over and saying, yeah, I'm feeling good, Baruch Hashem. Like, did I think of what I was saying? Like, what does it mean I'm feeling good, Baruch Hashem? Like, Right, that his hand is there, like pushing all the mitochondria in every cell, and all the DNA, and all the blood pumping, and the cells functioning, what, and what the I love is when you're talking muscles to moving. Secular Israelis, yeah, and they when they say Baruch Hashem, like, yeah, it's, yeah, it people mean like it. The secular Americans, are hmm. really like that. yes, no, people mean it. Thank God. You always you can never living in Israel or spending time in Israel gives you a chance to remember. That you saw off Yisrael who you can't really judge somebody from the outside. You just don't know where people are holding. They might not be so religious in many ways, but that doesn't mean that that like at the fundamental place that they're they're good. You know, like they they know where they are. Okay. So I want to open up. Yay! I'm so glad. <coughs> I want to open into the beginning of the bracha now, which is the bracha of Baruch Sha'amar, which is the bracha that opens the whole psuke de Zimra. Okay, which is Baruch Ato Hashem, Elokeinu Melech HaOlam. Okay, all of which we sort of had to build ourselves up to saying even through this whole ten-faceted Baruch series. Hakel Ha'av HaRachamon. Okay, we're not, I mean, Baruch Ato Hashem, Elokeinu Melech HaOlam. There's like a whole series on that already. It's online. We'll go back to it. Um, we already did a whole new thing on Baruch at the beginning of Baruch Shamar, so I'm certainly not going to go do the Ato Hashem, Elokeinu Melech HaOlam. Hakel Ha'av HaRachamon. Okay, Hakel means the powerful one, the power. We actually referred to this when we talked about Baruch She'amar V'haya Ha'olam. I think that was where we spoke about it, and we talked about Avraham, and how Avraham had learned from Malkitzedek, who's shame, to describe Hashem as Kel Elyon. Yeah, that's the name Kel, right? The, the most powerful force. Um, Avraham then immediately turns that into 
the name of God, Hashem Kel Elyon. So Hashem, who is the creator of all and is the highest force, because that's, that's not just the highest amongst many. That's the one who creates and therefore controls all the others. And then later on, he refers to Hashem as Kel Olam. And that we talked about Olam and the fact of the world both hiding and revealing Hashem's presence in the world. So Kel itself means the powerful. The, the power. Power, okay. Mm. He is the force. So he is Melech Olam, he is Hakel, the one, the power. Ha'av, or of, depending on your nusach, the father. Okay, now the father over here, well, okay, it's Ha'av HaRachaman, the merciful father. Okay, so Av, first of all, Av is, you've, you surely noticed it on your own. Av is Aleph Base. Father starts with Aleph Base, meaning it's that which launches, that which gives birth to, right? The father gives birth to the son. So Av is, starts with Aleph and Base, meaning it's the beginning of giving of a process, and then the process will continue. And one difference between fathers and mothers, mother is aim, aleph mem, which is the first letter, but then it goes to the middle. Okay, why? Because a mother takes you much farther along in terms of your development than a father. Strictly speaking, right, a father is aleph bays and is gone. Now, you hope that they will stick around and actually educate the child later on. But technically, to be a father, it's really just up front at the beginning and they're gone. Whereas a mother, at the very least, is going to gestate the child, right? If the kid's going to be born for a longer distance. And that's really a separate discussion we'll get to longer by the word MS, which has at its root mother. But this idea of the father, that's the initiation. So that's the Ha'av. Hashem is the father. We're talking about him as the force of all creation here. So that's a description of that beginning. It's also the root of the word Evan. A stone. Why? Because you build things out of stones, right? It's like Legos, right? So the fundamental building block, building block is the Lego, right? So of is like the core of the building block. Of, Ben, father, son, that's Evan. Of and Ben is Evan. Okay. Ha'av harachamon. So the word harachamon is an interesting case because if you think about it, you don't see Hashem described that way very much. You see Rachum, one who gives mercy. Harachaman, you see him benching, a whole packet of Harachamans, but otherwise it's very rare. I think I have here somewhere it says, like, where do we see them? Not so many places that you have Harachaman. I'll come to it. Um, Baruch Sha'amar, the Sefer Baruch Sha'amar, or Baruch Epstein. He says, generally speaking, we don't find that Hashem is described, he says, with the Nun HaSoger, a closing nun, meaning it would be rachum, not rachamon. So what's the difference grammatically? So the way we can, he says you have it in avaraba, so coming before Shema, you have avinu avharachamon. You have in Shemona Esrei, rofe naaman verachamonata, Hashem, you are the healer and who is merciful. And you have it over here. So what's the difference between rachum and rachamon? So he takes as this, you can give an example the Torah says, if you see, right, usually you learn a different Torah about this. If you see your, your enemy's donkey and it's squatting down under the burden of the load, you have to help unload it. 
because it can't move because it's too heavily loaded. And then you always have the question. And then there's the one, if you see the donkey and all the packages fell off, you have to help reload it. So which one do you f do first, right? So we say first is the unloading and then the loading. <coughs> and that's described, right? And you usually get this like you're helping the one that you don't like first, and right? That's like the usual Dr. But the Gemara says, the description of this donkey is rovates, crouching. So the Gemara says, rovates velo ravd son. Rovates means the one is crouching. Ravd son would be a croucher. It turns it into like a noun. So rachum then, okay, so Rash explains on that Gemara, what is, what is, what is Gemara telling us? It's saying, if this is a Ravtsan donkey, meaning it's a croucher, every time you touch it on its back, because animals can learn to do that, okay? There's, a, there's like all these things. You measure horses for competitions. So it's like a really mundane example, but it applies with the donkey, okay? So there's people who, don't, who want to enter horses into categories that are not their height. You know, boxers are categorized by weight, and horses are categorized by how many shoulders high they are. So they train them. They give them an electric shock every time they touch the withers. And then the horse learns to very quickly to crouch down real fast and to kind of collapse down every time you touch it. So every time you try and measure its height, it'll crouch down. And they can sneak it in in a lower height category. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. I don't know. People have their things. Okay. Racehorses and sometimes a lot of money involved. Okay. So a donkey could learn the same thing and be very stubborn, right? So the second you try and put something on its back, it crouches down. So the Gemara is telling us is the mitzvah to help unload a donkey that's crouching is because it's crouching. If it's a croucher, you are not obligated every single time your, your friend or your enemy takes out its stubborn old donkey, you don't have to drop everything you're doing now to help him unload. Like he's got a, he's got a difficult donkey. And at, at that point, at some point, he just has to deal with that and decide what he's going to do about it. Okay, retrain it or sell it or use it for something else because it's not helping very much. Okay, so that's the difference between a rovates and a rafsan, which means that the difference between rachum and rachaman, rachum would be Hashem showing us this quality of rachmanos. On a continual basis. Rachum just means the case where he's oh, showing it. That would be like rovates, crouching. Rovates, right. right, whereas rachman would mean one who is constantly demonstrating that behavior of Rachmanos. So I, oh, I should have brought it in. I didn't think of it. I saw this week. So it's back to this whole eternal thing. It's very much before. back to the eternal. But there's another lesson I want to bring here, which we've already started. It's come up many times in Baruch Amar Because the message over here has to do with Yira and has to do with Gvura, we had it with Baruch Gozer Umekayim Baruch Merachim. Right? We had it right there. Gozer Umekayim. He gives Gezeras and keeps them. And immediately then we say Baruch Merachim Al Haaretz, Merachim Al Habrios. Rachmanus. Okay? So I hope I get this right because I did not bring a copy. Rav Hirsch says in this last week's parsha, Mikates, on this Pasuk, he says, what's Rachamim? It's a, uh, the Pasuk is mem, uh, Mikates, par, it's Parak Mem Gimel Pasuk Yudalit. We're going to come to it. He says, what does it mean, rachamim? So he says, and this is, I think, pretty well known, it's from the root rachem, womb. Okay. He says, what it means is not pity. 
Rachamim doesn't mean pity. Pity is very limited. Pity means, I mean, it's better than totally ignoring somebody's pain, but pity means that you see someone's pain and that bothers you. That's nice. That's not Rachamim. Because Rachamim would mean that you see somebody suffering and you suffer with them and you feel no rest until the person's pain is relieved. You can't really move on because you're feeling so much with them. Their suffering is your suffering. And just like they can't move on until their pain is relieved, you can't move on. Not only that, you know it's Rachamim because Rachamim shows itself equally for the negative and the positive feelings. So with pity, you know, you see somebody who is suffering and you feel bad about it. But with Rachamim, not only do you suffer when you see them suffering, but if then you would see that all of a sudden they have great success, they win a big prize, they were poor and you felt bad about that, and the next day you see them driving down the street in a big fancy car, you'd be happy. The amount of happiness you would feel in their success is demonstrative of how much Rachmanus there really was. Uh, not Rachmanus, Rachman. He says there's a colloquialism, Rachmanus, that means pity. It's not a Torah word per se. That's used for pity. Rachamim is this connection that's deeper, and it comes from feeling that we come from the same source. He says we come from the same womb. So Rachamim feels more close between parents and children, and even between siblings. Okay? But the more you can extend that sense, the more capacity you have to extend the sense when you look at other people, we all are from the same home. We're all from the same source. We're from the same family. We're from the same womb. Will cause you to feel more like that person and extends out. That, he says, that's the relationship between Racham and Racham, which is like a very interesting piece there. Okay. So this concept has come up before. It seems to be somewhat fundamental to Baruch Sha'amar, but I want to kind of look at how it plays out over here. Because what the difficulty is, Rachum is easier to understand than Rachamon in its way. Meaning that Hashem, we've talked about Rachamim as like the space of patience, right? That the space between action and reaction. So whereas in Teva, in nature, there's kind of immediate response. So when, you know, the old, it's an old Israeli children's joke. What bracha do you make on poison? Bracha achrona. Huh? Right. Last bro. Okay. Okay. Why? Because the reaction, the effect it's going to have is going to just happen. There isn't like, oh, I didn't mean it. Oh, I didn't know. Whereas with Rachamim, there can be the gap. Maybe it's 10 years. Maybe it's 20 years. Maybe it's 30 years down the line. Maybe it's near the end of life. And then a person has all this time to do tshuva and change what they're doing and, have, and be different. Okay. We've talked about that aspect of Rachamim. So the idea that Hashem displays to us Rachum seems easier because we've had all these different angles and not all of them did I think about at least in terms of all being demonstrated at once. Meaning it's yes, Mitzrayim, so you see one kind of quality of Hashem. And in creation you see a different quality. And in Rachamim you see a quality, and in Din you see a quality, and in 
generosity or in Ichanun or right there's like all these different qualities each one has its name so why is this Mida also have an aspect that's harachamon that's timidi timidi means constant all the time not like all the time colloquially like oh he does that all the time but we really mean frequently tamid means all the time really all the time so what is it then where there's we could have a demonstration that's rachum we could have an interaction like that and refer to Hashem as rachum but then there's something else that we can call harachamon where we can say Hashem is Rachamon, it's all the time. It's like in the benching, like affirming that. Yeah. Yeah, you have it in benching. Or at, uh, appended to benching, right? I could speculate as to why that is, but okay. So, what that tells us, and you, you're familiar already with the Rashi, right? There's a Rashi where he says, Hashem created the world. Why does it say Elohim? And later on, once man has created Hashem Elohim. So it's because Hashem created the world. In the beginning, Rashi says, Hashem, it rose up in Machshava. So the intention for the creation of the world was its creation according to Midas Adin. And in seeing that the world will not be able to survive, we won't make it till the end run. We won't make it long enough to change ourselves. Living under Midas Adin. So he brought forward, Hikdim is he, like, uh, he brought it ahead, like earlier. He made it come sooner. The Midas Harachmim and partnered it with Midas Hadin. So that when Hashem created the world, it's Biyoma Sos Hashem Lukim Eretz So there's something actually all the time about Rachamim. Just existence in this world, then, is all the time Rachamim. Even if what we're experiencing is Din, we think it's Din, even the Din is partnered with Rachamim. Because we wouldn't be surviving without that. It's kind of Ein Ha'olam Miskayim. And we said, remember we said about Baruch Gozer Umakayim, I told you I had heard from a, a Russian prisoner, like in the Gulag, or, right? That he, he had this insight. Gozer Umakayim doesn't mean that he gave a Chiddush, right? It's not he's Gozer. Hashem makes Gezeras Umakayim and keeps the Gezeras. It's he's Makayim us so we can withstand them. Okay. And you hear that Lushan in the Rashi, really that the world would not be miskayim, it could not continue under that Midas Hadin on its own. So even the Midas Hadin has an element of rachamim. All the time, literally all the time, there's rachamim underlying everything. So if we think about that a minute, that's in order to enable us to live the life of Din that really is meant for us. Midas Hadin is really a better state. We say that the greater a tzaddik is, the more he's able to live under Midas Adin. That's not bad. That's good, right? We described it as having a more constant conversation with God. As you constantly have that feedback. That you, can, you can see more immediately what the reaction is to what you've done. Then it's like having a conversation. That's not bad. That's good. That's a nice thing. 
the Chet Ha'egel, the sin of the Chet Ha'egel was so bad, right, that we say we weren't able to take, right, Hashem said he'll wipe us all out. So Moshe said, let's not, you know, can we come up with another plan? But the other plan means that there's, in every pain and suffering that has happened since then, there's a dose from the Egel mixed in. It's we're thousands still, of years still, of suffering. We're still, uh, we're paying, still paying the price. That's rachamim with din, meaning in order that we can handle the din, you now have this element of rachamim that spreads it out and gives it time and patience and allows you to be miskayim, to continue existing and changing. So the rachamim is also a tool of din in its way. So if we think about those first three midos that we hear in spheros, right? Chesed, gvura, rachamim, or chesed, din, and rachamim. Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, right? So chesed is really the source of all creation. That's described as chesed. And we've talked about this many times. Gvura then is the shaping of that. How does it play in? so that it can have some kind of shape and form and creative construct, constructiveness to it. The rachamim then follows din, so to speak. They ha- it has to work with it to temper it in order that together by having the gavura and the rachamim, now you can have the expression of chesed that was being created. When chesed is created and, and creates, it's not enough to stop with gavura. Hashem saw, that's not going to do it. It has to be gavura with rachamim, partnered. So gavura and rachamim are both expressions of chesed, both of them, and as partners. Okay, so we see this example came up in this parsha. I was like, I was like, whoa, wait, I just saw this. Okay, I, I was very surprised when I, lo- when I was reviewing my notes for today and I saw the note, I was like, that's funny. That was just a Rashi. We just did this on Javis. Okay. Gvura and Rachamim are both an expression of what? Of chesed. chesed. They are the way that chesed plays out into the world. The way that Hashem creates the world with chesed, olam chesed yibana, is through, through Midas Adin and Midas Rachamim partnered. Okay. So, this idea of Rachamon. We see this case, and I don't even know if there's an earlier case of this. I would have to look, because it would, it would explain why it's brought over here. In Parshas Miketz, when they, the brothers say to Yaakov, look, this is what happened. We were on our way back, and the money showed up in our bags, and we, you know, uh, no, first we, we got the things, and then the, the leader of Mitzrayim told us we need to bring our younger brother Right, and meantime he's got Shimon. Right, there's this whole saga, and they kind of come back and they're explaining this to their father. Now we need to go back again, and he wants us to bring Binyamin this time. And plus, there's a little bit of a quirky, like a complication. The wrinkle is, if we go back, even bringing Binyamin, like he told us to, um, we could be arrested at the border. Why? Because. If you've committed a crime and they weren't able to catch you and extradite you from the other country, then at least when you come back in, they're watching out. And what did we do? Well, we didn't think we did anything, but it happened to be that when we unpacked, we found all of the money that we had used to pay for that first batch of food was back in our bags. Which means that when we come back, they're probably going to accuse us of having stolen, not having paid. 
but anyway, we think we should go back and we should bring Binyamin. <laughs> like, that's not a good situation to bring him into. So Yaakov says to them, he's, he's not so happy, right? But he says, okay. Finally, he's con- he says, look, if this is how it has to be, then make sure you bring gifts, bring twice as much money so that you can give back what's from before and also buy new. Um, and bring your brother and go back. The Kel Shokai, I'm saying Shokai because it's really Hashem's name, right? Shadai. That Hashem, Kale, right? The one who is the power. Shakai, which we haven't defined. Yitain Lachem should give to you Rachamim Lifne Ho'ish. They should give you Rachamim before the person. It's possible this is the first, I don't know. This may be the first use of Rachamim in terms of God and Torah, but I don't know. And may he then send you back with both brothers, both Shimon and Benjamin should come back with you. And if I'm bereaved, I'm bereaved. Like there's, I don't see that there's any other effort to make over here. And Rashi in fact comments, what does it mean? Why is he saying Hashem should give you Rachamim? He's saying Hashem should give you Rachamim because Me'ata at this point, you're not missing anything. There's no more that could be done, Ella but prayer. You have to do as much as you can do. And then at some point you say there is no more to be done. Therefore, what's to be done is to daven. I'm davening for you. Okay. So what's with the Kel Shokai? So Rashi says, and the Nefesh Shachaim quotes it with regard to Baruch Sha'amar. Kel Shokai, Hashem who is the power and who is Shokai. Shokai, Shedai Benesinas Rachamav. I don't even know how to, tra- how do you translate that? Dai is, is enough. enough. He's adequate. It's plenty. In giving his rachamim. That's the pshat. The pshat is, Hashem should give you as much rachamim as he's able to give you. Or give you enough rachamim from the man, maybe, that the man's able to give you. I'm not, I'm not even certain. This pshat is not such a pasha pshat. Umidrasho. What does the Midrash explain about this? It explains the name because the name, this name of Hashem is clearly based on the word die. Enough. Misha Amar Le'olam die. The one who said to his world, enough. Meaning, when he was creating the world, we've come across this with Rokaha Aretz Al Hamayim, right? He was creating the oceans. And he told them, stop there. That's enough. Right? Mm-hmm. When he was creating the land, and it was Eretz, right? Why is the land called Eretz? Because Hashem said, enough. That's how far. And it stopped, according to his Ratzon. Okay? That's the word Eretz is related mm-hmm. to Ratzon. Okay? When Hashem, who said to his world, enough, Yomar Dai Litzarosai, should say, enough to my Tsaris. That's what Yaakov's saying. Since I was young, I haven't really had a peaceful moment. I had Sarah of Lavan, and I had the Sarah of Esav, and the Sarah of Rachel, and Sarah of Dina, and Yosef, and Shimon, and Benjamin. It's always something. So now, may the God who said to his world, enough, 
say to my suffering, enough. Okay, so we're not going to have time, I see, <laughs> to go there. I have a, a nice Vasemis on this. We'll do that next time in Mitzvah What I did want to point out over here was the question. And I'll just leave you with the question. It sounds like it goes together, but if you think about it, it's hard to see how it goes together. Hashem, who said to the world enough, meaning there's creative activity, and he said, stop it here. This is how much creative activity is necessary. And then that's enough, because the world is going to be finite. So he should say to my suffering enough. The first one sounds like Midas Hadin. We associate the saying die to the world as the gvura, right? Like it's, it's running chesed and Hashem says die and that's the implementation of gvura that gave it shape, right? We talked about water that spreads out versus having boundaries and that gives it shape and constructivity. Whereas Amar Lutzaro Senu die, that Hashem should say to Artsaris enough, that sounds like Rachamim. That's Hashem, right? Like over here, Hashem yitain l'chem rachamim. Hashem should give you rachamim. He should say enough to my suffering, which sounds like the mitas hadin is the one that's running free. And either chesed or rachamim is saying enough. Stop over there. So I just want to point out, this is not so simple. This comparison that Rashi is quoting from the Medrash doesn't at first glance tell us the whole story. And it makes us wonder... Why did Yaakov use the name Kel Shakai, which sounds like a name of Din, and say, May Hashem, who is the Dayan, give you Rachamim. Okay? So really, in a way, you could kind of work out the fundamentals, because we've been talking about them all along, and including today. But that's what we'll stop, and then next week in Mitzvah Hashem, we'll pick up with the Svasemis' approach to that. Thank you. Thank you. <coughs> Make a note though where we're up to. We're going to end on the question. I was going to ask you, okay. <laughs> um, I'm not going to be here next week. Next week, we're going to I'm going to jump. Oh, wow. Yeah, Have a safe trip. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.